give me a shotgun and get off my piazza. Today is Monday, January 30th, 2023, time for episode 186 of the Barnhart Podcast. It seems like it hasn't been that long since the last podcast, but now that I look at it, um, not counting the um, the group therapy session that we had uh, after, after the death of uh, Pope Benedict and our early Christmas session, it's been a month and a half since just you and I have done a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> time flies. Time flies, baby. Time flies. Yep, and I know we've got a bunch of, of topics for tonight, and um, I, I'm just so scatterbrained getting things ready for tonight, because my wife is leaving me for a week. Now, <laughs> well, I, I say that semi-dramatically. She's actually going on a retreat, which is very, very good oh, spiritually, good. so I think that, that's very good. You know, it, it's wonderful that we have the grace that this is an opportunity, and uh, since I still work from home for the time being, that means that I can watch the kids. We don't have to you have know, double coverage on, on babysitters the whole time, so that, that's good. Hopefully she that's prays true. for me, because you know, I need it, and... We all need it, and she needs it, and you need it, and everyone needs it. So everyone needs it. Yep. yep. And if you never have a chance to go on a, on a retreat, if you've never been on a retreat before, whether it's an Ignatian retreat or a Marian retreat, any kind of three or more days of total silence and uh, contemplation and a uh, general confession, it, it's a wonderful thing. It, mm-hmm. it, not not just the the feeling that you are spiritually purged. Um, I mean, you can get a feeling of purging by going to the doctor and having an enema, but spiritually speaking, just the, the peace that comes with that and, and the, you know, that's the great reset spiritually to, to reorient. What is your, what is it you're driving at in life and, and put that in sharp focus and just let everything else fall aside for them for a moment. Yeah. The kids at home are going to fight and break things. Dad's going to take care of that. Don't worry about it until, you know, later in the week when you come home. So if you ever have a chance to do that, by all means, highly, highly recommended. Is this nearby or does she have to fly? She's going to be getting on a jet airplane and flying away for a few days. Wow. Wow. All right. In a certain sense, I think that's probably good because then there's absolutely no temptation to, you know, oh dear, they need me at home. I'm going to go back, you know. No, you you have plane tickets, so that's good. It, it, it's, it's detachment in a certain healthy sense. Very oh, absolutely. Good. Absolutely. And of course, our first topic tonight, talking about detachment and people who should be uh, detached from things in the world and who are unfortunately detached from things of the brain or, or reality. reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody after, after the death of Benedict XVI took it upon themselves to declare the sea is vacant and we're not talking about anybody on this podcast and therefore we need to have a conclave. Oh, good grief. And all kinds of stuff ensued. What happened with this? We, I mean, we, we go we go to the van by the river. Anne, what are you learning? <laughs> well, I mean, we're all just sitting here. It's it's such farce. It's such farce. Non Veni Mark has a whole post on this guy who I just tangentially allude to as the fake Franciscan friar. Um, this guy is absolutely notorious. I don't know if he's if he's Asperger's or if he's a high functioning schizophrenic he sure he certainly has qualities of paranoid schizophrenia and he is absolutely notorious in rome i could tell you all stories about him luring young people to rome and then you know throwing them out on their ear and this is this is what he did he was um 
he was um, with the Fran Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate years and years ago, and they threw him out on his ear because he's nuts, and he was constantly raging at them that they weren't strict observance enough, that you aren't really Catholic. Uh, uh, remember that line, you aren't really Catholic, that will come back. So this, this is this guy's shtick, he's nuts. Um, he has delusions of grandeur. He thinks that he is the only person in the world who is Catholic, who understands the Catholic Church, who understands anything, and he's a and he is a dilettante. He's he's not expert in anything, um, but in in his whether it's Asperger's or paranoid schizophrenic mind, and it's the thing is is you can you can look this guy up. He's got a very unique name. It's very easy to research on him mental severe mental illness runs in his family i'll leave it at that this guy is absolutely nuts now he's been basically poisoning the well in the sense of um just taking away all credibility almost from those of us who are on the ground seriously trying to do work over the past six years on this whole anti-papacy, the invalidity of Pope Benedict's resignation, all of this stuff. And what a lion's share of the work has been on the ground has been going around and talking to people and say, look, just, just put to the side the fact that this insaniac, this fake Franciscan friar, and, and let me reiterate that again, this guy is a layman, full stop. He is not a friar. He is not a brother. I wish people would stop referring to him as this. He is not any of those things. And it really gets my dander up because it's akin to a, a stolen valor type situation. This guy is claiming that he is a religious and he is not. He is a layman grifter. Full stop. Okay. And he thinks he's part of the remnant, the last one of the last Catholics in the world. He thinks he's basically it at this point. He's, I think, at this point now, he's excommunicated everyone. Does he have ordination and consecration from the Tuckline Bishop as well? He he has absolutely nothing. He's a layman. He was with the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate as a novice for a short period of time, and they very quickly, and it, it wasn't hard to see. They very quickly determined that this guy was absolutely nuts and dismissed him. He never had anything. He was just he was just a novice who was told, you don't have a vocation with us. Please leave now. And of course, now he's been dressing up um, it, for for years in Rome um, for some unexplicable reason known only to him, he wore like a bright green habit. And so on the ground in Rome, what everybody refers to him as is, is Kermit the Hermit. Um, he was notorious going around. He would lure young people um, to Rome, um, telling them that they were going to be um, in formation with, with his order, with his uh, strict observance Franciscan order, and that he was under the direct auspices of Pope Benedict, which is a lie. He sent, he sent a letter to Pope Benedict, which obviously, as with all people who are nuts, you get, I get letters and emails from people who are nuts all the time. 
you throw it away. He, so he, but now, but listen how crazy this guy is. Listen to how utterly, completely detached from reality this guy is. He says that if he sends somebody like Pope Benedict or anyone else, you, me, anyone, if he sends a letter and he doesn't get a response within X number of days, I want to say it's 30, that according to ancient Roman law, that means that the person that the letter was sent to tacitly approves of everything that was contained in the letter. And therefore, so he sends some, you know, schizophrenic letter addressed to Pope Benedict in the Vatican, maybe written in crayon or whatever, saying, I am going to be uh, a Franciscan friar, and I'm going to be under your direct jurisdiction. And of course, this gets thrown in the trash, obviously. He doesn't get a response back, and now he runs around and tells everybody that he is a Franciscan friar under, under Pope Benedict. That was his story. This guy has run so many cons in Rome, luring young people, saying, you're going to be you know, under my, my formation, the guy is a layman. He's a layman. And then the young people would come, he'd bleed them for whatever money they had, and then he'd throw them out on their ear, again, raging at them, you're not strict enough, you're not really Catholic, get out. There's one kid that ended up walking, that all he could think to do was to go to the, um, the FSSP parish in Rome and walk into the sacristy and try to explain to them what had happened. And they said, oh, we know who that guy is, the guy in the the guy who runs around in the green habit, Kermit the Hermit. You fell for that guy? Oh my goodness. And you know what? The FSSP pairs, this happened years and years ago. They they bought that kid a plane ticket home to the United States because he didn't have anything. He didn't have any money. He didn't have a phone. He had nothing. I think all he had on him was his passport. And the fraternity of St. Peter Parish, out of their, you know, little slush fund for charitable acts to help people who are in trouble, bought this kid a plane ticket and flew him home because he had fallen into the, into the con of the fake Franciscan friar. Okay, what else has this guy done? Um, I have, I have, more than one friend who years ago got sucked in to this fake Franciscan friars con artist grift. He told these, he told a bunch of people that he had, that he was starting an accredited university and that he was hiring people to be full-time professors. People moved to Rome, signed full uh, one-year leases on apartments, moved their families to Rome thinking buying in because the the fake franciscan friar he he talks really big he's a re, he's a con artist he's a straight up con artist and he's always talking big 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 and it's all lies it's him and a laptop and that's all he is so he's he's told people that he's got this fully accredited university, he's hiring full-time professors, people moved to Rome, moved their lives to Rome, quit quit good full-time jobs, um, passed up good full-time jobs, 
thinking that they're getting this dream position in Rome, working for, you know, a very, uh, a very conservative, traditional Catholic university in Rome. They get there and then they realize very quickly, there's nothing. There's no university. There's there's no classroom space, there's no office space, there's no money, there's no salary, there's no students, there's nothing. It's all fake friar Kermit the Hermit um, running a grift. Uh, and this guy is notorious for this. Every time there's, there's some sort of a disaster of some sort, he forms an LLC, starts raising money, saying, I'm going to I'm going to donate this money to this cause. The, the last good example of this that I can think of is, um, do you remember when there was that huge explosion in the port of Beirut, Lebanon, and just, it, it was catastrophic. I mean, just leveled an entire portion of downtown Beirut, Lebanon. Well, what does this grifter freak? fake Franciscan friar Kermit the Hermit do what he always does. He gets on the internet, he forms a shell LLC, and he starts, he starts raising money off this. You send me money and I'll make sure with zero overhead that it goes directly to the Christians of Beirut, Lebanon to support them in the, in the aftermath of this terrible explosion. This was a few years ago. It was before the, the COVID scam started, but I can't remember exactly. I want to say it was in like 2019 or something. Well, this grifter, because trad Catholics especially, are obviously charitable people. Charities, you know, I mean, we're praying for it all the time. We're praying for an increase of charity with every rosary we pray. It's the it's the third Hail Mary at the very beginning um, of the rosary. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of really charitable people and people with empathy who are looking to give money to things and these grifters like this fake franciscan friar kermit the hermit is just constantly looking to take advantage of this so he raises like five figures of course none of it goes anywhere near beirut one of the people who got sucked into this and donated like a four-figure donation contacts him and says, um, "Can can I see some report about you know where these donations went and how this money was distributed?" And he gets a snooty, quasi-litigious letter back from Kermit the Hermit, fake, fake Franciscan friar. I'm not kidding you. The letter says. I could not find a sufficiently Catholic outlet for the funds, and so therefore, the um, the members of the board. And remember, it's just him. There is no board. It's all nonsense. The members of the board met and uh, voted to reallocate the funds to a sufficiently pious Catholic organization. Guess which su sufficiently Catholic pious organization that was? It was Kermit the Hermit's fake Franciscan friars um, LLC, which he has set up with him and his two brothers. So he, he just pocketed the money, you know, because, because there was nothing sufficiently Catholic in Beirut, Lebanon, for, for him to send these donations to. This guy is a criminal grifter 
and the whole Franciscan friar brother stuff is stolen valor, straight up. Okay, so now, well, I, I also want to talk about the, the horrific um, alleged military organization, military corporation that he's got set up with a guy who is clearly, uh, this guy's out of Kansas, he's, he's uh, let me just put it to you this way. This guy that he's got sucked into this is what I, I think what would stand up in court of law as being characterized as a vulnerable person, okay? He's a vulnerable person. And of course, that's exactly what a con artist would go after is a vulnerable person. So he's got this military things corporation set up with this vulnerable guy out in the middle of Kansas. He's got the vulnerable, vulnerable guy out in the middle of Kansas convinced that he is a direct descendant of Charlemagne and therefore like heir to the Holy, the, the Holy Roman Emperor in, in exile or something like this. I mean, schizophrenic, detached from reality, abject nonsense. Um, I think the first, if you look this up, and it's, this is all on the internet, this is all easily searchable and easily discoverable. Um, he's got on, on a, a website for the military corporation, he, um, the initial fundraiser that they that uh, Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar, was talking about, was for ten million. You know, because again, this guy he's a con artist, so he's always talking big, and he's well, always he's talking not about. A very, he's not a very good con artist either. No, because no, if no. He was, he's if he was an abject good, failure. If yeah. he was good, he'd say he's fighting the Russians in Ukraine. He'd be hitting up Biden for about ten billion. Um, that's well, that's exactly what he well, maybe we claims he ideas. was doing. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing. The thing about the Ukraine. So he's trying. He's trying to um, con clearly other vulnerable young men into joining his fake military order and then going to Ukraine and fighting as mercenaries for the sodomite Jew CIA puppet regime with well, the the Zelensky guy okay and to be A fair couple, the Jewish part of that is the least offensive of the whole that's bit. the least offensive part that's actually that's pretty that's not least... offensive to be honest <laughs> so but here but here's the point this is why I mentioned this because whenever anybody crosses Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar, he, he accuses them of being Jews. Oh, these are all crypto Jews. Well, this person, there's a synagogue in the town that they were born in. Um, if these people, this, this last name has a history of coming from a city where there were Jewish bankers in the 15th century. And I'm, I'm not kidding. This is the level of schizophrenia we're talking about. So anytime anybody crosses Kermit the Hermit, at the fake Franciscan friar, he's accusing everyone of being a Jew. But then he turns around and he goes and he's going to Ukraine and everybody who doesn't send their um, mentally disabled sons over there to fight as mercenaries. And remember, the rules of war say mercenaries, if captured, can be immediately summarily executed. This guy is now trying to mess with getting people killed. He isn't just he isn't just grifting money anymore. He's now crossed over into a domain where he's potentially going to get people hurt or killed. Um, 
and and so every everybody's a crypto jew everybody's this but at the same time this guy is so lacking in any sort of discernment or perhaps he does have discernment and he's just so immoral that he doesn't care that he's willing to crawl into bed and send and and recruit guys to go fight and die maybe as mercenaries for Zelensky, who is what he accuses everyone else of being a Jew. He is Zelensky is a sodomite and he's a plant and he's a puppet of the CIA. And you, you just sit here and look at this and you're shaking your head. And then, you know, Mark, Dr. Matza, the rest of us who are trying to do serious work on the, the resignation of Pope Benedict we just keep having to tamp down these fires well look at this guy kermit the hermit freight franciscan friar he's saying this this and this and we're we're not going to listen to any of you people so the well is being poisoned by this idiot's antics um and you just you take two one step forward and then two steps back because fake franciscan friar kermit the hermit has um has just poisoned the well in terms of reputation and, and getting some traction and getting some credibility that we're serious people talking about this. And this is a serious question. So the, the reason this all comes up is because earlier today, um, Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar, apparently uh, called his own conclave at the, <laughs> and you can, I'm not making this up, at the airport Marriott in Rome. <laughs> And so, and so, you know, he, oh, and he had a big thing. He, of course, he had a fundraiser for this. So the initial fundraiser was that he needed half a million dollars to put, to, you know, organize and put on a conclave to elect the success for, successor to Pope Benedict XVI. Then he backed that off that, well, well, he could, he could pull it off with only 60,000. So, you know, that, that was his fundraiser. I, I hope and pray that, he didn't uh, he didn't get anything near that but there are people who fall for this guy and think that this guy is serious and the thing i want to say that just has me pulling my hair out how are people who have been crawling into bed with this guy like patrick coffin uh, like the the attorney down in South America who wrote such a such a great book a couple years ago, Estefania Acosta. I mean, how how are these people not doing any due diligence and not vetting this guy, Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar? If you look at this guy's history, it takes ninety seconds of search engine work. And just reading this guy's own website to know he's a con artist, he's completely full of it, and he's probably a schizophrenic because he's obviously detached from reality. Why in the world would you crawl into bed with this guy? It's absolutely maddening to me that people don't do any due diligence and don't vet anyone or anything. That's the first thing I learned when I first got famous on the internet from burning the Koran. I had people crawling out of the woodwork wanting me to come on this show, that show, this, that. And every time a, a, a request would come in, I would 
immediately search engine search who are these people go look at their website who was who's the crazy pants website but it's got Which huge one? traffic um rents david icky i was contacted by all those people you go look at those all you have to do is open those websites and it's nope absolutely not no way no how never having anything to do with any of those people father paul kramer is bad about this i think uh father paul kramer goes on uh, goes on jeff rents and and there's at least one other of those real crackpot radio shows that father paul kramer goes on okay so one the one segment is father paul kramer talking about the anti-papacy and the next segment is you know space alien lizard giants living in underground caves i mean why in the world would you attach your attach yourself or give any um any credibility lend any credibility whatsoever to people who are so clearly uncredible so to finish the story kermit the hermit has his has his conclave at the airport marriott i think probably less than a dozen people showed up i'd be surprised if more than a dozen people show up i have another story um before before corona he put on um he put on a big conference in rome <laughs> he went and he um he went to the hotel that's owned by a member of the knights of malta um and and conned this guy into get donating him for free the use of a ballroom because he was going to put on a huge conference about the uh the canonical invalidity of pope benedict's resignation so he he rents a ball or he cons himself into getting a ginormous ballroom that seats like 600 or something like that um he, and 12 people the, show up huh, huh oh i'm getting there i'm getting there the first two rows every seat was reserved for all of the various and sundry cardinals because he had sent invitations to all of the cardinals in rome and of course he takes a non-response to a letter as tacit approval and confirmation that of course well none of the cardinals responded so that of course means that they're all coming so he's got the whole thing set up he's got all of the cardinals reserved for cardinal burke reserved for cardinal Mueller, reserved for cardinal this reserved for cardinal sarah etc etc so he's got this all set up three people show up two italian canon lawyers show up and one american canon lawyer shows up the two italians walk in the door see that it's a complete scam and turn around in a huff on their heels and say this is a joke we came all the way across town for this this is ridiculous turned around and walked out the American canon lawyer who saw somehow saw this like advertised on a flyer hanging on something somewhere in Rome. He goes to this thing. He sees this. He sees Kermit the Hermit, the fake, fake Franciscan friar standing up the front of the room. And he says, well, I pity this guy. I guess I'll go talk to him. So we went and talked to him for 20 minutes. And then he, he talked to me after the lawyer talked to me after the fact. And I said, oh, you didn't. You don't know about him. You don't know that he's crazy. And say, well, 
what did he say? He said, well, you know, he made he made some some interesting points about canon law, but he's also clearly insane. He's he's Asperger's or or something like, yeah, everybody kind of knows about him and knows about this. And so but of course, you know, fake friar Kermit the Hermit plays it off on his website as if he hosted some huge, gigantic conference on the thing. Um, he didn't he never told anybody and he, he was fundraising for all this. Of course, he never told anybody that three people showed up, two of them left and one of them stayed and talked to him for 20 minutes just out of pure pity. I mean, this is this this is the level of ridiculousness that this guy operates on was it pity or was it morbid curiosity kind of like a bt a pt barnum attraction uh, no he used the word pity he said he said i felt bad for the guy i pitied him because he saw the two italians you know give him a piece of their mind for wasting their time and storm out and he said well i feel bad for the guy i'll just i'll just go talk to him and he's wearing a habit so he he was tricked into thinking that he was actually um, a franciscan friar which he isn't he's a layman so back to the the marriott conclave as it will now forever go down in history so i mean I don't know how many people showed up, but it had been denounced by everybody. Everybody, everybody had denounced it, including all of the Benedictus Pope people in Italy. They all denounced it and said, this is this is ridiculous. This is completely illegitimate. Don't have anything to do with this. So I'd be surprised if he had 15 people show up to this thing. Guess guess who guess who the the Marriott Conclave of 2023 elected unanimously? Uh, Pope Michael Bowden. Oh wait, no, he died. No, he died. Um, well, it can't be Benedict; he's dead. Um, it wasn't super nerd because I would have heard about that by now. No, no. Was it non Vinnie Mark? No. I give, Do you up. give up. Do you give up? Oh wait, no, you no, get... no. Wait, they elected him. No, that's what I thought was going to happen. I see I'm, you know, talking to everybody and we're all watching this, you know, with with I'll admit morbid curiosity and we're we're watching all this and my mind's like he's he's going to elect himself. That's what all this is about. He's going to declare himself to be the pope. Wait, he then, got he got together this crazy conclave. It didn't even elect him. Oh no, you're you're going to die. You're going to die when you when you hear who was unanimously elected at this conclave. Okay, go ahead. Jorge Mario Bergoglio. <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, he's 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 a Benedictus Pope person. He yes. believes he's Catholic, but they elected a non-Catholic. Exactly. <laughs> I would have voted for Mario Dirksen personally. I know, right? I know it's true. <laughs> you win the internet tonight. That's right. It should have been Mario. It was. It wasn't Mario. It was Jorge Mario. <laughs> Off by one. Dang it. Oh, that's the that's the legendary programmer's error. Off by one. Darn it. Off by one. <laughs> Off by one. That's the show title right there. <laughs> Off by one. <laughs> and that could be taken so many different ways. <laughs> and 
And that's that's why it's a perfect show title. <laughs> oh, you got me snorting now. I'm laughing so hard. So, so get ready for this now. He's painted himself in the corner, Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar has, in that he he has to <laughs> he has to publicly proclaim and honor the validity of his own conclave. And so now he has to live with this. And so now get ready, get ready. Um, we're all going to be declared excommunicate and going, we're all going to fry in hell for all eternity. Wait for it if we do not recognize and submit to Jorge Mario Bergoglio as the vicar of Christ on earth because Kermit the Hermit, the fake Franciscan friar, and the 15 or less schizophrenics that showed up at the airport Marriott in Rome elected Bergoglio unanimously. So um, I, I very much look forward to the, uh, the manifestation of the Petrine promise, the supernatural negative protection uh, by the power of the Holy Ghost that will, that will cause Jorge Mario Bergoglio to repent of his apostasy, um, of his demon worship, of his um, attempted abrogation of the Sixth Commandment and ratification of sodomy. He's getting ready to do that. He's flying into like South Sudan or some, something like that. He's flying into two countries that have anti-sodomy laws on the books and you know that this is going to he's going to use this anti-pope bergoglio is going to use this as an opportunity to to further ratify sodomy by condemning the correct good holy and true and just anti-sodomy laws that are that are on the books in south sudan and what's the other country they're going to congo i think uh, i'd have to look at a map probably wouldn't it be muslim this those seem to be the only countries with rational laws when it comes to morality yeah i mean they don't live by them but yeah absolutely i think the only countries that are left that have anti-sodomy laws are probably muslim it's absolutely true so um i i am we're all sitting around with admittedly morbid curiosity and you know all the, the all the gifts and the animated gifts of the eating of the popcorn and all of that we're all sitting around waiting for um for fake franciscan friar kermit the hermit to have to now start defending bergoglio and his pro-sodomy and oh trying oh also trying to abrogate the mass of Pius V you know just that that little detail there too you know it's um it's it's laugh or sit on the stairs and cry but really this guy has done has done a lot of damage he's grifted a lot of money from people over the years I mean I suppose it could be worse but I mean you can just tell that the kind of people who would get sucked into his obvious transparent grift would be people who are simpler and probably don't have tremendous amounts of money to be throwing around and so every dollar matters to to people like that and he's just he's just continuously continuously going at this grift and so i don't know ho hopefully this is the end of it hopefully hopefully this guy goes away and I don't understand how he's not in jail. I don't understand how somebody didn't go after him for the fake university thing. 
I don't understand how people didn't go after him for the the fake uh, fundraising for the 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 explosion in, in Beirut and all that. I mean, these are these are criminal acts. And just the over, I, I don't know what the laws are in Italy about running around and masquerading as a religious. I, I want to say that there are laws against that in Italy. I know that I know there's laws against because they would get crazy people who would go and sit in confessionals. And you know, they weren't priests, they were just crazy people. And um, I, I'm pretty sure it's against the law. So I don't know. I don't know what can be done. But well, there it is. Italy used to be a Catholic country, but ever since Garibaldi, who knows? I mean, it's probably considered a, a national virtue to do anything anti-Catholic. Mm. Yeah, but but you know, in Italy, it's also it's against the law to to disrupt a mass. It's against the law to do lots of things. But I mean, good luck having it. Good luck having those laws in force. But I don't know. At, le at least the fact that we're all sitting around laughing at this is just. I guess maybe that's the, bo the best we could hope for. But what I would hope is these other people, Patrick Coffin, I'm talking to you, do some background research on these people. And if you do the same thing with regards to me, but you also notice that I, I only have a handful of people that I associate with. Super nerd, Nurse Claire, Dr. Beep, uh, Nonvinny Mark, Dr. Matza. That's about it. You know, I keep a pretty tight circle. And, um, you know, if, if I am going to associate with anybody and have them on the podcast or anything, you know that I'm doing some pretty serious research and reading their oeuvre and seeing what they're saying. The first time that I figured out that Kermit the Hermit was was the the person that I was seeing on the Internet years and years ago, um, he had a Twitter account. It was called it's now defunct. I don't know why. But it's called it was called very catholici v-e-r-i-c-a-t-h-o-l-i-c-i very catholici and um he was he was tweeting about the invalidity of pope benedict's resignation and then one day he tweeted if you are a catholic and you are aware of this apostolate and you don't donate money to it you are in mortal sin and i was like Oh, he's insane. Criminally insane, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flag on that play, sports fans. Oh, my goodness. I mean, guys, we got to do better. You you really, in this day and age, have to do better about vetting people. And, and you know, when there are these red flags just flapping in the wind, for goodness sake, you know, trust, trust your, your spidey sense on this stuff, man. This, this guy is about, is one of the easiest in the world to pick out as an absolute nutter. Now I admit that I have, I have real inside baseball information from him, from people who are on the ground in Rome. I, I have that, but most of this information is right there openly on the internet if you'll just do a few minutes worth of research. Yeah, it's, it's a topic called open source intelligence, by the way, or OSINT. And I have obliquely referred to this concept before, but it, it's it's a way of doing research on people using publicly available information. In other words, information that you don't need a warrant to get or yeah. special access or hacker tools to get to. You look on Facebook, you look on Google, you look on Twitter. If you're into it, you look on TikTok, which I'm not into, but that 
actually might be something. I might have to get an account at some point just for doing research on people because TikTok is getting they're they're getting to the point where they're they're eating into Google's profits and Facebook's profits to the point that all of the politicians who have been bought by I'm sorry supported by Facebook and Google are now saying that TikTok is a is a threat to national security. Give me a break. Every app on your phone can track you. There's nothing special about TikTok in that regard. They've got their well. Elders. They say it's, be, it's they say it's the Chinese Communist Party. Oh come on! Who makes every single stinking phone? Yeah, who makes everything? That's right. <laughs> it's if, true. if there was any one country who had the capability of sh- shoving a digital leash up your backside, it's China, and it's mm-hmm. from the hardware, not the software. Mm-hmm. Every single application, I can say this with certainty, having been a mobile developer to some degree in the past. Every, almost every single application has the ability to track you either actively or passively uh, from various different degrees of permissions you give it. There's nothing special about TikTok in that regard. What is special about TikTok is that whoever built their algorithms for for keeping you engaged and on their application have knocked it out of the park. They have stolen Facebook's lunch on this one. People are on, the kids are all on TikTok now and they're all non-kids in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and that's where people are, are go for their entertainment. It's also where people are starting to go for search. So if you say, what's the best sushi restaurant in, in, in Austin, Texas, rather than getting a list of, you know, paid advertisements at the top of the Google searches and maybe something that's relevant, you know, two pages down, you see videos of people at these sushi restaurants saying, hey, I tried this, oh. the California rolls go good, the calamari is good, the, the sashimaki or whatever. I, I, I'm fake Japanese. Sorry about that. Um, I, I really am a big fan of sushi. I just I haven't had it in a long time. But the, so you get the you get the the uh, bite-sized videos because they're not very long anyway. But yeah. the the firsthand opinions uh, and and of course they're all stylish, young, attractive people. And you look at the videos like I want some of that and the sushi. I mean, and 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 so you say okay, so this is you know something that's really appealing with regard to search. And it's not just sushi and food and restaurants and things like that. It might be um, what's the best laptop to get? And you get Uber nerds answering you know because you know they're way overweight and they got glasses and all the rest and they're talking about all the, all the technical details about all the rest of this. Um, it's real hands-on stuff. It's better than YouTube in a lot of cases. From what I've heard, I don't have a TikTok account. I might break down at some point and get one. Still, I do most of my research on on YouTube for a lot of things. But from everything I've heard, that's what is really dangerous to Facebook and Google right now is that TikTok has really nailed the algorithm. So I forget how I... What, I, how, what from what point I hijacked you on from this? Oh, doing background research on people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a whole series. There's a, there's a whole field in this called open source intelligence. And if you really really want to know more, just send me an email. Check the show notes. My email address there is there, and and I can send you on a on a down a rabbit hole that um, <laughs> who knows you might actually become a private investigator if that's what floats your boat. So, but I mean, TikTok is a relatively new thing and so there wouldn't be much historical data on it right i mean the world wide web is a relatively new thing well i can find stuff uh, you know if you're if you're vetting somebody who's contacted you and said i want i want you to appear on my on my podcast you can you can do a search engine a traditional search engine search on them and you know it'll go back years and years and years same thing, even to a certain extent on Twitter. I, Twitter has a search function, right? Yeah, they do. And and given the the specific topic we're talking about here, uh, the fake friend Susan Fryer, 
maybe TikTok is not the best. Actually, I don't know if they're, if you're listening to this and you have TikTok, do a search. And even the fact that we haven't given a name, I'll bet you can figure out who it is and, and send an email. I'll, I'll bet you get it almost immediately. To, to Ian's point that there's not a whole lot of historical depth on this, I'll bet, I'll bet things hit, I bet, I bet you'd be surprised with what's there. Hmm. Interesting. You should, if you get a TikTok account, type my name into it and see what comes up. That's just bizarre to me that there would be anything of me on there. I just, what, who would be posting a, a micro video about me? Because it's all the micro videos, right? That's all it is. It used to all be 10 second and then 30 second. I think it's up to 60 second now. Honestly, my my consumption of TikTok is secondhand through the audio that's played on podcasts. But just the fact that it's a phenomenon taking over the internet at this point, from an academic perspective, I'm thinking about getting an account just to check it out to see what in the world are they doing that's really so special. I agree. I can't imagine. But, you know, it's uh, we've been talking about this whole trends in especially social media for years now. Um, and I, I remember saying back in like 2017, 2018, when we were doing those those tech shows and everything that man, we're going to wake up one morning and just Facebook is just, no one will be using it anymore. It'll, it will go the way of MySpace. And it'll, and when it happens, it'll happen fast. It'll just be like, boom, puff of smoke. Uh, Facebook's stock value plummets. Zuckerberg is now worth only, now only worth down to his last hundred million, blah, blah, blah. And our... It's it's kind of we're in the process of that happening, aren't we? Somewhat, and that 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 gets to another one of my pet peeves. Talking about how much people lose based on the, these technology people, they don't have liquid wealth. So when yeah. you talk about Zuckerberg gaining or losing anything, or Bezos or anything, I mean yeah. the last time Bezos measurably lost something is in his divorce, where he had to assign half of his assets over to his wife, and he was still the richest guy in the world. Yeah. If you own stock that's worth a trillion dollars and the and the price of the stock nominally goes down two hundred billion dollars, you lost nothing unless you sold. Right. So Elon Musk actually did lose in the last year or so because he had to sell a bunch of Tesla stock to buy Twitter. And until he sells any of his interest in Twitter or the rest of his stock in in, in Tesla, he hasn't lost a dime. Uh, and with, if if what he says is true, he almost lost his life. He said the he took the second booster, second booster, not the second of the original two jabs, but he said he took the second booster. He thought he was going to die. I have no idea what to believe with regard to Elon. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that he's taking the boosters, but at the same time, I wouldn't doubt it. And we're way off on a tangent from open source intelligence, TikTok, and, and what the kids are doing. With regard to Facebook, my understanding is the young kids say, yeah, Facebook is for old people. Yeah. So yeah. In, in terms of if you really want to be current and researching people on the internet, this is a constantly evolving game. And mm -hmm. uh, with with regard to the fake Franciscan Friar and other people who are trying to scam you, it's not that hard to do research. It really isn't. Whether it it's really isn't. No. <laughs> I mean, all you need to know, I, I'm always shocked at how many people don't know that if you go to a search engine and you put things inside of quotation marks, that means that it has to be an exact match. So if you have a term or a name that's relatively unique and you just type it in inside of quotation marks and boy, you're going to, you're going to get what you're looking for 
very, very quickly. Then if you can add, okay, so you like, let's say for example, Ann Barnhart, type Ann Barnhart in, spell it correctly, A-N-N, no E, and then B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T, you got to spell it right. And that's, you know, not just my name, but anybody's name. If you misspell it, okay, you've got problems, but put my name in, put it in quotation marks. And then um, if you want to look at something specific like um, pink AR-15, type that to the side. Well, then you're going to get exactly it. You're going to get pictures. You're going to get every mention of, of you know, my my custom pink Duracoated AR. I mean, it's all going to be right there for you. It's you're you're going to get really the easy. verbatim letter that or email that you sent back to the freak in London who said that they wanted to come over here and kill you. Yes, absolutely. You, that will come right up, right up. Yep. With, with accompanying pictures. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there was something in talking about knowing how to do searching and advanced search tools. And I put this as a bullet point to put in the show notes. I was doing uh, some searching earlier today on a technology called Django, D-J-A-N-G-O, which is named for some dumb reason after a uh, a guitarist. It's a Brazilian style of music, and I don't. It's not jazz. It's, it's some localized Brazilian music. But okay. the problem is, if you go to YouTube and search Django, you get a lot of results for a movie that came out a few years ago. Oh, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, probably because mm -hmm. it's pretty mm -hmm. brutal, mm -hmm. but. But if you're doing a search on this in, in, in not YouTube, well, maybe YouTube too, because it's a, it's a Google product. If you do the search term Django and then space minus film or minus movie, it will subtract out all the references to a film like or the, a movie. Like the word minus, M-I-N-U-S, no, or just the, the, uh, the uh, dash? Like hyphen. Like, like, okay. like, it's okay. a math, like it's a mathematic formula. Yeah, so if you right. do Django space minus film, you probably will get either the musician at that point or the, mm -hmm. the Python web framework. Cool. Yep. I didn't know that. I didn't know that worked with, um, that worked on YouTube. And Amazing. there's, there's also interesting tools if you go into it. So for example, if some big news event comes out, let's say, um, police beatings in Memphis, mm -hmm. which is very current, but this happened just in the last week or two, you can, you can put a date constraint on the search and say, okay, I don't want anything from the last 14 days. In fact, I want nothing prior to January 1st of 2023. Now give me search results for police beatings in Memphis. Yeah. And you, and you won't get the charade that just happened recently. I, I say charade loosely because there are so many weird things that, around it. Yes, yeah, somebody died. Yes, five people are guilty here. Yes, there are uh, rumors that these five police officers are actually gang members and this They're was gang a gang members hit. And it was a gang hit, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you want to completely get that event out of your search results, you can go to advanced search tools and put a date constraint on it saying, yes. don't give me anything after such and such date. And so yeah. you'll get historical stuff going all the way back to the time of Elvis, I guess. Like a really great application of this would be type in Jorge Mario Bergoglio and then set it to be before March of 2013. And you'll get all of the back stuff on him, you know? all the criminal goings on in Argentina and, and so on and so forth. Perfect example. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I, I hijacked your whole idea there of, of well, actually not hijacked, but amplified on the idea of amplified. doing search yeah. on people who may or may not be legit. Exactly. We could probably write an entire book on this topic, but speaking of books, uh, there is a book that came out recently. 
yes, the the Pope Benedict book, and just there's there of course as we've been saying all along, there's no um, there's no chapter or preface or epilogue or anything in this book that says, teehee, I fooled everybody. I was playing 15-dimensional upside-down underwater chess, and I, I fooled all those Freemasons in the church. No, there's nothing like that. Um, it's very egg-heady. Um, it's, um, it covers multiple disparate topics. Um, the, but huge revelation, he says in, in the chapter on uh, moral degradation and, and the seminaries that apparently, now listenership, y'all brace, okay? If, if, you, if you need to sit down, sit down for this. Apparently, Pope Benedict let the cat out of the bag in this posthumously published book that there are homosexuals in the seminaries. Which no. I, I know, I know, I know. It's, Are you uh, kidding? It's it's difficult. It's really difficult. When to did get this news. start? Uh, <laughs> when did this start? <laughs> right around 1917, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did this start? So there's that, but the the only other point, you know, there's no there's no Ratzinger code or anything like that. That's all nonsense. Look, the man had a persistent life history of quitting, and he and the German uh, theological academy, which admittedly he was on the far right, but talk about damning someone with faint praise to say that you're on the, the far right of German, you know, theological thought is like saying that you're, 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 you're almost, you're, you're kind of in the same category as the Jesuits at that point, it seems to me, on the heresy scale. So yeah, the most orthodox of Jesuits, yes. Yeah, the most orthodox well, of Jesuits. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say that with too much tongue in cheek because there are, you know, one or two really good ones left. Yeah, probably less than five. I would and they're probably say. listening. So present company excluded. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but he he's a quitter. He's been talking about for decades and decades, all the way back. He gave he gave a homily after the death of Paul the Sixth that was about resigning the papacy. I mean, we're talking about in 1970, 70. What would that be? Seventy eight. When did when did Paul the Sixth die? Yeah, seventy eight. Um, I mean, come on, this this whole delusion that this was him playing playing chess and there was some secret Gnostic code. It's not, he's, he quit or he attempted to quit. He attempted to quit and failed. And okay. So I've, I've heard the, the podcast with you and Dr. Mazza and, and not Vinnie Mark talking about mm -hmm. the Miller dissertation and that, that there was this whole notion that there would be the three member papacy, one for the Catholics, one for the Orthodox, one for the Protestants. When in the world did Benedict, or or back when he was still Ratzinger, when did he come up with the idea that this was good, or or when did he adopt this? The story with that is is that this is, and I had German academics email me, and they said, "Listen, this is how German German academics work. They'll introduce if they if they want to introduce some sort of a novelty." like, you know, resigning the papacy or demythologizing the papacy. 
you know, whatever it is that Pope Benedict attempted and failed to do. Um, the, the way they will do it is that they will do, they'll use the whole shifting of the Overton window trick. So Ratzinger writes an essay. This is when, this is like in the seventies and he opens the essay with, with, um, laying out this citation of, well, you know, there's a school of thought that says that the papacy should in fact be a triumvirate, there should be a Catholic Pope, an Orthodox Pope, and a Protestant Pope, and this is a reflection of the Trinity. I mean, he's seriously, he's seriously, like, laying this, this position out. And there, da, 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 and we've have to fundamentally transform the papacy, and this this would be one way of doing it. Well, then wait a minute. Was he not well formed himself? I mean, how how could any Catholic well formed, and he was made a priest well before Vatican II? How can any well formed Catholic come to something so stinkingly idiotic? Well, he was running around with Karl Rahner. So, but wait, wait. So that this is the this is the academic trick. You open your paper with something that's just, you know, super duper crazy like that. And then you say, but of course, I don't believe that anything that radical should be countenanced. Here's what I propose. And then you go into your thesis, which if, if there hadn't been the opening with the super crazy citation of there are people who think that the papacy should become a, a triumvirate, if you hadn't opened with that, your thesis would have looked radical and crazy. But since you opened with something that's like five times crazier than what you're trying to say, you shift the Overton window, and then in the mind of the reader, your proposition or your thesis or your premise sounds sounds relatively benign and normal relative to the crazy papal triumvirate thesis, which of course, well, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying that, that there should be papal resignation. I'm saying that the papacy has to be demythologized. I'm saying that, you know, all notions of monarchy have to be stripped from it or whatever it is he goes on to say in that paper. It's been so long since I've read it, but it's, it's, he's, he's laying the foundation for what he eventually was trying to do, and it's what they were all talking about for decades and decades, demythologize the papacy. And that is exactly the phraseology that uh, Ganswine used in that very famous speech of May 20th, 2016. He, Ganswine specifically said, with this wonderful and glorious step that Pope Benedict has taken, a step so monument, monumental and great that I analogize it to the immaculate conception, um, uh, what he has done is he has demythologized the papacy. And he literally says the word demythologized. He has demythologized the papacy. And so that's, that's the story on that paper that Ratzinger wrote with the opening about the, the triumvirate papacy. Well, if you're just talking about, you know, demythologizing the papacy and, you know, the Pope is the Pope for a while and then he resigns and blah, blah, blah. See, he was thinking, he was thinking about this and they had been talking about this for decades and he tried to do it. And of course it's nonsense. And so we failed per canon law right there. You say, well, if he, if, if it's, if it's invalid, uh, 
by canon law itself, doesn't that mean that he, he lost the papacy? Well, no, because canon law says if you attempt to do something, and it is substantially erroneous, if you attempt to do this administrative act, which is resigning this, this, this office, this is an administrative act. If you attempt to do this and you do it in a, in a substantially erroneous way or you do not properly manifest it, which you can make that argument too. He never properly manifested it. He was so ambiguous and it was so unclear in that speech that he made. Um, and then, fun fact, we keep reminding everyone of this, he never wrote a letter like Nixon wrote a letter that said, I resign the papacy as of 8 p.m. February 28th, 2013. There was nothing like that. There was no letter. He never signed anything. Nothing. So that goes to the proper manifestation clause in Canon 332.2. The whole thing stinks to high heaven 12 ways from Sunday. And, you know, let's, let's leave fake... Franciscan friar Kermit the Hermit just let's let's just ignore him now forever if if we if we can please because he just let's let's just leave that whole train wreck to be the train wreck that it is and the adults at the table we need to be serious and we need to be having serious conversations about this and so that's that's where we are but he I, I, opens go ahead go ahead I was going to say that um, with regard to why one would question or or say that that the resignation wasn't valid? Everything you say about about the defective uh, resignation is certainly plausible. I th still think that it, it makes more sense to emphasize the duress angle of it because that's eminently sure provable. the coercion clause in one eighty eight absolutely I, yeah. In, in this in this whole time, yeah, I, I've I listened to what you and Mark and Dr. Mazza talk about with regard to the defective resignation mm -hmm. and i still say yeah that's interesting but you have to that kind of resorts to proving what was benedict's internal state of mind at that point yes there's all the there's all the, the documents and the statements and all the rest but then again you can also say that resignation just has to be um, stated and nobody has to has to accept it except if it's under duress and there is how many different ways to be proven that he was under duress Pray for me that I that I not flee for fear of the wolves. Well, that was at the very beginning. And then turn off and then turn off the ATM machines. Yeah, and make threats <laughs> on go. his life, make threats on his brother's life, his brother's yep. reputation. And yep. and I think I mentioned before on, on on the podcast the whole idea of of pray for me that I don't flee for fear of the wolves. I, I it wasn't until I read the book Operation Gladio that I realized that the the hit team that was put together to assassinate John Paul II in St. Peter's Square was paramilitary operators from a, a, a group from Turkey called the Gray Wolves. Uh, and when I read that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Was Benedict possibly referring to that? Mm -hmm. They've tried mm -hmm. to kill a pope before, the CIA. Yep. The CIA. Will they do yep. it again? Yep. And probably possibly for the same reasons? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the thing that just... <sighs> I mean, I'm going. They're going to a requiem for Pope Benedict. You know, it's the it's been 30 days, so now there's going to be another cycle of requiems, and I'm going I'm going to another requiem for him tomorrow. Um, but the thing about the book was in the in the opening that just steams me. It makes me angry. As he says, the reason that I held this book to be published until after my death, to be posthumously published is because 
whenever I say anything, the Germans get get into a murderous rage and say horrible, awful things about me. No, it's in there. We'll, we'll find the citation. We'll put this in the show notes. And so I'm, re I'm releasing this posthumously, literally, because I can't handle having German heretics say mean things about me. And I mean, you just sit there and read that and shake your head and you're just like, what in the world has the world come to with this level of just cowardice? He's not, he didn't say I'm, I was afraid for my life, I was afraid for anything else. He said I was afraid that German heretics would say mean things about me. And so I'm publishing this, I, the instructions were given, publish this after I die. The ultimate run and hide. The ultimate run and hide. Do it after I'm dead. You couldn't say anything. I mean, you've got anti-Pope Bergoglio trying to abrogate the mass, trying to ratify sodomy, doing everything he can to destroy the Catholic Church. You can't say anything for 10 years, and then you, and then you publish a book that, it frankly, doesn't say much at all. But, oh, even this had to wait because German heretics would get angry and say mean things about me. Oh. And, and you, wore, you wore the red shoes. He wore the red shoes as the Pope. And uh, I've had somebody told me that, that this, the red shoes don't necessarily mean, you know, the, the, the blood of, of his own martyrdom and all that. But I, I think a lot of, a lot of that stuff, the, the red kappa mania, I think the red shoes, there is pious tradition that those things are symbolic of martyrdom and being willing to die, willing to literally die with your blood flowing all over your shoes and flowing off in a trail behind you that that is what is symbolized by all of these, these red vestments and accoutrement. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's too terrified. He has to wait until he dies because he just can't handle having people say mean things about him. I'm sorry, but uh, we, have to, we have to be honest about this. And, you know, he's been gone for a month and I pray for him, obviously, I pray for the repose of his soul every single day. And, and I've been praying for him every single day for years, but um, it's, it's infuriating to read things like that. And it's, it's scandalous, it's scandalous, because there's gonna be people out there that see that and read that and are, and are just gonna be thinking, what the heck, dude? I mean, you, you threw us to the wolves. You threw us to the wolves. You were supposed to be the shepherd. You were supposed to take care of us. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. I mean, it's, it was, this is why I say there are people talking about he's a saint, Santo Subito, doctor of the church, this, that, and the other. I stick with my thesis that he will probably, at the general judgment, go down as being one of, if not the worst pope in the history of the church, in the 2000 year history of the church for what, for what he did, for the, the catastrophic 
abandonment and failure to, to do what our Lord asked and commanded, feed my sheep. And he, he refused to do that. And he, he hid behind attempting to resign and run away. And, and now at, at he, unto, up until the end, he was hiding behind death. I'll put out a book, but I'll wait until after I'm dead so that I don't have to listen to anybody say anything mean about me. I mean, come on. Is it really in the German character to say something mean or to do something mean? And I don't mean this completely tongue in cheek. I may not be up to date with what's going on in Europe and what the current temperaments are. I thought that was more of a French thing to say something mean, but not necessarily do something. I thought it was more German to do something mean as opposed to saying something mean. Well, um, all we can go by is what he wrote in the in the opening of that book. And he said he, he didn't want to listen or have the church subjected to people saying mean things about him. I mean, it's, uh, and, and at a certain point, you know, when you're 95, 96 years old, I mean, seriously, what exactly are you afraid of? No kidding. And that's the age you should, you should be saying, you know, give me a shotgun and get off my piazza. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you all want to fight, come on, bring it. I'm 95 years old. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you can't, you can't coerce me. You can't, you can't intimidate me. Bring it. That's, that's what he should have been doing. But it was just, it was this cowardice all the way to the end. And we were hoping and praying that something would happen before he died, but it was not in the divine providence. And so we go forward. And we continue on to what looks like a trip over the waterfall. Well, if it, everything's in the divine providence and if the trip over the waterfall is what is needed to clean things up and rectify the situation, then that's, that's what needs to happen. You know, you just have to trust in the Lord that it's, it's all going to eventually unfold um, for the good. Um, we keep fighting, you know, we keep doing what on the ground in real time is is the virtuous good and we keep doing what we're going to do you cannot fall into you know quietism and say oh well it's everything is in the divine providence therefore it matters not what i do therefore i am going to do nothing oh there's a whole contingent of these effeminates running around bleeding that and then they start in then they get self-righteous about it and they start saying if you do anything, if you even attempt to do anything, then you are prideful, you are arrogant, you don't know your place, you are indocile, what, whatever it is. All it is is them trying to justify their own effeminacy and sloth to themselves. So it, it's, it's, it's a dynamic, it's a dance between the two. Yes, the divine providence is at work and it's perfect, but we're also in there, you know, and the decisions that we make are are relevant and they are they're part of the matrix. They're part of this 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 reality and this timeline that that unfolds. It's not that that we don't matter. We do matter. And so what, all we can do because we are human beings and in this world we live in linear time, all we can do is discern what is the virtuous good that I need to be doing right now? And you do that. And then, you know, if things, if, if things don't unfold in exactly the way that you 
wish they would unfold or you uh, perhaps even foresaw that they would unfold, ah, you, you have to learn how to just accept that. And it's right there in the scriptures. The, the Lord says, my thoughts are above your thoughts way, way, way above your thoughts. As, as the stars in the sky are that far above your head, that's how far my thoughts are above your thoughts. And so you have to just have humility and take what comes and just keep trusting in the divine providence and keep chipping along one day at a time and working at these things. It's, uh, uh, but a lot of people really struggle to understand that, how it can be that you both, there, there is the perfection of the divine providence, but we still have free will and we're still dynamic players in this whole thing. We are, so we keep working and I will. And prayer is a big part of that, to, yeah. to, to mastering the spiritual life, to understanding what our place is and what we're supposed to, to do with regard to it. And you mentioned the scriptures. Um, there was something I was listening to recently talking about how the Psalms, if you have never read them, Catholics, read them. It is the perfect uh, manual of prayer. It's why uh, it's it's why all the clerics of the church are required to read the Psalms start to finish every single week. It's, it's called the divine office. If you yes. want to learn the Psalms, it's very very easy. All you do is get online when there's many, many resources and you learn how to pray the divine office. Divinium Officium is the website that I use and it is fantastic. You can set it for monastic, you can set it for, um, for you know, just normal, normal, regular clergy and you can set even if you want it from the divine office from back from the council of trent you can set it to that or you can set it to the pre pius the 10th or the post pius the 10th or whatever it is that you want or the 1960 whatever you want and yeah i mean the divine office there's eight there's eight hours per day of prayer in the church and in the office they go through the entire all 150 psalms once a week so yeah and it's also something to contemplate on that, you know, not all of us have the luxury of going through all 150 Psalms every single week. Mm -hmm. The the mercy here is that we could just pray the rosary instead. Which is Our Lady's Psalter. Yes. There's 150 Hail Marys in the main body of the rosary. If you pray, if you pray all three sets of mysteries every day, that means that is a proxy. And it was set up that way by by our Lord and through Our Lady, given to St. Dominic, it was set up as a proxy for especially lay people to get the same, the merits and graces that religious are getting from praying the divine office. We can get that same thing by just praying the rosary every day, all three sets of mysteries, so that you're saying 150 Hail Marys in the main, in the main body of the rosary. And those 150 Hail Marys, each one maps onto each one of the 150 Psalms. And there's also something called the Little Office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yes. And I am ashamed to say that I actually don't know the details on that, what it involves. I've my, never done it either. I've never done it either. And I don't, I don't even own a copy of it. That's naughty. I should get that. Okay. That's going to be in the show notes. And that's, yes. uh, I'm going to have to Amazon that over to, to Anne's uh, Van by the River as soon as possible. <laughs> okay, so little office, um, divinium officium, 
uh, the Psalms pray. That that's the big pray, takeaway from yes. this. <laughs> and and you stole from well, it's stole. It's your podcast. You can say whatever you want. But but you said uh, before I could, I had a chance to say anything about it was to you know do what you are doing, agi quod agis to mm-hmm. to borrow a good Jesuit term. Um, it, Quoted most famously in well by Saint Ignatius. But uh, okay, I, I, know, I, two, I know where, the I know where you're going with quotation? that. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going. Yeah, it was. It was. I forget which character said it, but it was in Doc the, Holiday. Was it Doc Holiday? I, I couldn't. Oh remember no, maybe maybe it was Johnny Ringo who said it. Yes, because he says uh, in Vino Veritas, "Agit quod agis." Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it, it was in the the the, the 1990s version of Tombstone, which oh, we Tombstone. have mentioned many times on this podcast already. One of the best movies ever, truly. And it one really of the best is. performances by an actor ever, Val Kilmer, Doc Holliday. It, it really down. is. And, and there's yep. some really good behind the scenes videos on YouTube about the making of this and how if it was, wasn't for Kurt Russell wrangling uh, all the personalities involved and essentially directing a good chunk of that himself and, and directing people into positions to do it, that movie would have never happened. Oh, really? So Kurt Russell really deserves you know, outsized credit for the fact that that movie even happened. God bless Kurt Russell. I think he's uh, I think he's one of those um, uh, clandestine, politically conservative Hollywood guys too. Could be. I'm pretty sure about that. He always he always seemed like a kind of a solid dude. I mean, his his family life's a little bit rough, but he's it always seemed like he was a good a good father. He he always came off as being a good father. Well, I'll put it this way: it always came off that his children and adopted children loved him very very much. So that's always a good sign about a man. He's definitely in some good movies, and uh, he he plays the parts in those well. And in terms of his kids, uh, is Carrie Russell his kid? Um, who's who's his kid? Uh, he's. He's actually not married to Goldie Hawn. I don't think they've ever gotten married, but they've been like common law married for over 40 years. And so he adopted her two kids and then they have a couple of kids. I do not believe that Carrie Russell is his, no. Okay. Oh, well, the the point that that tangented off of was the, the Jesuit admonition to do what you were doing regardless of whether or not mm-hmm. we're going over the waterfall anytime soon, mm-hmm. just do your state in life. Don't mm-hmm. get overly concerned. Be prudently aware of what's going on. You know, maybe you stock up for the three days of darkness. Maybe you don't worry about it. Um, I, I would say that, that that particular topic is probably imprudent to, to fix it. It's imprudent to overly fixate on anything. I mean, fix well, it. I mean, no, that is wonderful that you brought that up because guess what's coming up? Candle mass which is the purification of Our Lady, and it's when they do the candle blessings. So it's an excellent opportunity, and that is on the 2nd of February. And then the Feast of St. Blaise, when we get our throat blessing, is the 3rd of February. So that's all coming up this week, guys. Don't forget those two things. Yes, without doubt. But what I was getting at is don't overly fixate on, oh my goodness, I have to get all my blessed candles and have my windows taped off and everything for the three days of darkness. Why do you have to tape off your windows? I don't recall all the details. I'm sure we'll get emails on this. But, okay. um, <laughs> that I, I, I didn't know about. If you search it on Google, and I bet you can Indeed, find the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in quotation marks. <laughs> There's probably a, a prudent reason to prepare for it, but at the same time, there, you always have to balance what what is necessary right now in my state in life. What's necessary with 
what's going on at the moment in the world. It mm-hmm. may not be imprudent to get a second deep freeze and fill it with beef before the price triples. Yeah. That 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 would be prudent. Yeah. Um, unless you are a, a nerd like me, it would not necessarily be um prudent to necessarily come up with a home automation system that in the case of power out you have an automated system that decides based on the temperature in each freezer it can cycle through which one actually gets power uh, mm-hmm. based on the your your generator that can't power all of them at once but it can power one or two at a time right and that is actually a project i'm working on uh whether or not I actually deploy it is like beside the point it's just a fun project i think i'm going to work on and um, I'm working with a very civil engineer on this uh, who has done something similar or not not exactly that, but compatible with what I was uh, sketching out. So we, we may we may end up building this and, and um, <laughs> it could become a blog post at some point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if for no other reason, then it's just cool and, and uh, it, it's practical. But uh, in, in terms of what you need to do right now, how about pray, go mm-hmm. to confession, mm-hmm. stay confessed. Uh, mm-hmm. go to the sacraments. I guarantee is that all of us at some point are going to give an account for your life before God. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready for that, it doesn't matter what else you're ready for. That's right. It doesn't matter if you've got, if you've got a side of beef in the, in the deep freeze or if you've got a, an entire buffet stuffed with blessed candles, it's, it doesn't matter. You it can have all matter. the blessed candles, all the beef and 50,000 rounds of ammo. But if you're not ready for your judgment, you didn't put things in the proper order. Yep, that's right. And maybe, maybe the calling for you in this life is that you're one of the poor souls who has to starve when everything goes bad. And if you, if if that's what your calling is, and you offer that up in in reparation for your sins and for the reparation of others, mm-hmm. that's the best best death you can possibly have. That's right, and that's also uh, the fifth station of the cross that we do during Lent, especially when. Um, uh, Simon of Cyrene comes to help our Lord carry his cross. The fruit of the of the fifth station is is that you you happily accept whatever death God has foreordained for you. You happily accept it. And, and that was so, one of the things that the the Mel Gibson version of the Passion actually captured pretty well was that Simon of Cyrene wanted nothing to do with what was going on. Yeah, he was forced. You know, yep. basically, basically at gunpoint, well, spear point. Um, mm-hmm. to carry the cross. He, he was forced against his will by the government authorities. I think yep. IRS in the current modern modern times. But yep. he was forced to help Jesus carry his cross. But by the end of it, he didn't want to let go. He understood there yeah. was a conversion of heart that happened along the way. He wanted to continue with Jesus all the way to Calvary, except those same government agents, they weren't IRS at that point, they might be in the future, uh, said, no, go away. Yeah, once they got to the top, they, he, they ran him off. And he, you know, looked back longingly. And then, of course, pious tradition is that he and his two children who were there with him, that they all that they all converted. But yeah, it was he was he was initially constrained. But then the, the other thing that that Gibson showed it was really poignant is that as they're getting, I think when our Lord falls the third time as he's helping as simon is helping our lord get back up he's like he's encouraging him and he's saying he's saying we're almost there we're almost there you know it's it's a it's a very sweet poignant moment that he's he's encouraging our lord <laughs> almost like spiritually speaking he was right into the right into the plan and was helping 
with with redemption. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing moment if you if you sit and think about that uh, to be able to encourage our Lord. We're almost there. Keep going. We're almost there. Wow. I'm at the end of my bullet points. <laughs> Are we almost there? <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> well, that's all I had down. If you wanna, if you wanna call this a shorter, Nurse Claire will only have to run a, a half marathon when it's when it's a shorter one like this. Uh, she's gonna insist it's 15 miles because she's out of shape, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, good news items, or your guess for how many miles it really took Nurse Claire to run while, while listening to this. The yes. email address is podcast <laughs> at barnhart.biz and expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. And at least one mass is said every single day. Mm-hmm. That's one traditional Catholic mass. Plus every week, one traditional Catholic Latin requiem mass for everybody who died the previous week. My goodness, if you can't read the signs of the times and see how much uh, the target is on not only just everybody who's pious, uh, but especially the priests, uh, pray for the priests, because without them, we don't have these masses, for one thing. We don't have the sacraments. We don't have much of a shot at the next life. Uh, so pray pray for the priests, please. There's, I, I'm running out of ways to, to emphasize this. It's like they're more yeah. important than you can realize. If, if, if only we could see through the supernatural view that the demons have of how important the priests are. I think we'd appreciate them a lot more than we do. Well, we, we got a lot of people. I'll say that almost everybody got a foretaste of it during the two, um, home imprisonment phases. So, I mean, that, that gut punch should have kind of woken people up, I would hope, but people are already starting to forget about that. Just like people started to forget about nine 11 pretty quick after that happened, people are already starting to forget that, you know, Hey, you were, you were, locked in your house for two years. I mean, but I guess that's human nature to some extent. Yeah, okay. So tangent, there's, there's the prediction that, that, uh, at some point with all the chaos that's upcoming, literally everything is going to hit the fan. Um, I hit my microphone, sorry. Um, and you know, it looks like communism is going to overrun the entire world. And at, at the darkest hour, the triumph of the immaculate heart is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the and the prediction is there will be a time of peace, mm-hmm. and people who read the Catholic people, well, anyway, really, who reads these predict- predictions and sees that there's going to be a conversion, a global conversion to Catholicism. This mm-hmm. is before the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. This is well before the Antichrist. There's going to be a global conversion. Look at the state of the world right now. There are people. Well, heck, at the time of Pius the Tenth, he was convinced that the antichrist was already alive and walking amongst us. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case necessarily, but I can see his point for that. But we're at such a far more evil state of the world right now. And we can look at it and say, yes, this is definitely the work of the predecessors of the antichrist, but we have not yet seen the triumph of the immaculate heart and the promise that comes as a result of this. We're going to have a global conversion. Yes. There's going to be some holdouts who won't convert, but it will be unthinkable at that point. How could anybody ever go back to the previous errors and darkness? But within 40 years, Antichrist arrives. Is it 40 years? Yeah. Wow. But that number keeps showing up. It's not next. Yeah. Yeah. 40. It's, um, 
and and, and reading that the you human look at psychology is is quite a thing yeah you look at that though and you say how in the world can you go through the triumph of the immaculate heart and 40 years later you've lost the 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 you've lost the the the, the story to the point that antichrist is in charge and everybody embraces him yeah and, he, tr and he tricks most people yeah yeah i mean yeah. just look at all the little ways that we forget things that are critical yeah <laughs> the lockdowns every, everything yeah. Yeah. Anyway, pray for the priests that they don't forget, that they don't Indeed. end up serving the Antichrist. And listen, a lot of them are scared because there is going to be another document. You know, Bergoglio is going to fart something out um, probably after Easter. And it's going to be another attempt to to um, do the impossible, which it's impossible because, of course, Bergoglio isn't the Pope, but it's also impossible in and of itself because Pope Pius V, Pope St. Pius V, in his document, Quo Primum, specifically said, it is no longer possible. This mass cannot be abrogated ever. Um, but Bergoglio and his idiot in his idiot cadre, his cabal, they're, they're going to attempt to do it. And there's a lot of priests that are scared. They're, they're really nervous, thinking that they could have their entire lives just taken away from them and then you know looking around and well what do i do some of them some of them are too old um to you know start from scratch um some of them are young and but they don't they don't want to leave their vows um seminarians they're going to be they're going to be the ones who are caught in the middle saying okay do i continue on with this project which seems to be an exercise in futility according to worldly standards or do i walk away go get married and have a bunch of kids you know um it's um it's going to be a real mess but you know a lot of them especially the ones that are over priests that are over 40 for whom you know just going out and and they don't have any any skill set or anything i mean they they're not going to be able to go to college and get a degree or and start a brand new career or something like that these are the kind of thoughts that priests are thinking right now that's how bad it is that's how serious it is um the SSPX can't take everybody and won't take everybody. So that's not that's not a possibility. The only thing I can keep doing is yelling up and down, screaming and yelling, Bergoglio isn't the Pope and nothing he says matters and you just need to ignore all of it and just say no. Just say no. All you have to do with bullies is just stand your ground and even step to them. That's all you have to do. But you're all being deceived you're all being tricked and deceived by Satan into thinking that this guy has any authority, which he doesn't, and he's and you're going to be tricked and deceived by Satan into walking away potentially from your priesthood or from your vocation if you're a seminarian because an apostate anti-pope who's probably the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist has tricked you into thinking that that's what you have to do and nothing could be further from the truth. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. It's all a lie. It's all deception. There is no, there is no Pope Francis. There is no Traditiones Custodes, whatever this apostolic constitution that he's going to drop after Easter, whatever that is, it's a fiction. It doesn't exist. It is pure lies. It, it has no, it has no authority. It has no weight. It has no bearing. It has no nothing. 
all you have to do is stand your ground. Be not afraid. Stand your ground. Do not flee for fear of the wolves. I think, have we not learned that lesson in the last 10 years? I mean, I think we've learned it good and hard. So, yeah. Something interesting you point out there is the Society of St. Pius X can't take everyone. I think you're referring to priests and seminarians. Yes. I would not be surprised if a a new organization along the lines of or similar in spirit to the SSPX starts. And it's good to know your history on this point. Archbishop Lefebvre didn't just decide to go do something new. He wanted nothing to do with training priests Mm -hmm. or seminarians, actually, at that point in time, seminarians for the priesthood. But it wasn't until multiple bishops said, take these seminarians and train them. Excellency, you have experience in this. We'll, we'll take them all, all the priests you train. We'll, we'll, of course, that all changed in 76 yeah. um, once the pressure came down from Rome. But uh, he, he was the perfectly trained person to do what had to be done at that point in time. He was you know, previously the head of a global um, order, the Holy Ghost Fathers. He had been the... Um, French-speaking delegate to all of North Africa. He had founded seminarians. He was a canon lawyer. He was, if you had to design the perfect person to put together an organization at that point in time, he had all of the bullet points checked. Yep. And that's no accident. Divine Providence set it up that way. And if we have the shutdown of the Latin Mass on paper from somebody who isn't the Pope, if for those of goodwill there's going to be somebody else to set forward with all of those bullet points checked as well. And it may be somebody we don't even know the name of yet. Yeah. So don't look necessarily to Schneider and Archbishop no. Q and, and Ar- yeah. um, Cardinal Burke. Especially not him. No, no, no. But somebody will step forward. God yeah. is not going to leave you high and dry if you want the truth. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah, don't neglect the, 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 don't neglect the the uh, communion of the saints either. Don't forget that we've got powerful patrons in heaven. Whether it's the you know the the, the patron for whom you're named, like Saint Anne in the case mm-hmm. of Anne, mm-hmm. or whatever your name is. Don't forget Saint Tiny Princess. Also, mm-hmm. uh, everyone mm-hmm. who's listening to this podcast, if you've been listening long enough, you know who she is, and she definitely can intercede as well. <laughs> she may not have she may not have had time to get into the all, all these questions in her life. Uh, she was only with us for eight months. But she's she sees God face to face right now. She's in the beatific vision exactly. now, so she understands it better than any of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pray, pray, pray to her to understand the truth, and God will reveal it when it's time. That's right. There's, you can have absolute confidence in that. Confidence. That's the word that was just that just popped in my mind is confidence. Stop, stop being lily livered, knock kneed. We have to start being confident in all of this. And the worse it gets, the more confidence in in a in a in a strange way. And this isn't you know, this isn't crazy talk or you know, uh, trying trying to console yourself with with inverted thinking. That's not what this is. But in a in a very real way, the worse things get, the more confident you should get. You know, and I don't know. That's how it. That's how it feels in on my end in my van down by the river. So well, the worse it gets, the more the enemy has to unmask. Indeed. Indeed. Bring so, it. Yeah, so yes, definitely invoke the patron uh, the, um, the uh, communion of saints 
And with regard to what you're listening to right now, the Barnhart podcast is a value for value podcast. If you got some value out of this, whether it's entertainment, education, inspiration, whatever it is, and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com where you can find more information about how to do that. And I would like to thank since the last podcast, actually it's been a while since the last podcast and I forgot who I thanked since the last time we did a regular podcast. So I may be repeating three names here, but that's fine. That's Rick, okay. Pam, Brian, and I know Kenneth is newer, um, but so definitely thank you to all of them. They That was all via the mailbox and via Amazon, Mary, Father Robert, Elizabeth, and I think I mentioned David before, but darn it, he, he deserves at least five references. And he left the message. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. That was his Christmas donation. Aww. And uh, via a boostagram, which if you don't know what that is, feel free to email me and I can explain it. Um, <laughs> but uh, got, a, got a boostagram. Thank you for being strong enough to speak uncomfortable truths. And that was from, I could give you, it's a user 5409 and then 12 more numbers, which tells me it's uh, somebody who's listening on Fountain and they just use the default user ID that was generated for them. But uh, this, again, it, it, it's a cryptocurrency donation. You can send a note along with it and we'll mention it here if you want to. And that wraps up my talk, my part. Matthew 1720 is yours. Okay, the revised <laughs> Matthew 1720. Still our fourfold intention, fast twice a week if you can, pray every day, um, that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope from April 2005 until his death on the morning of December 31st, 2022, and praying for the Holy See and that a valid successor happen somehow, some way, which at this point will probably be supernatural, what I would love to see, but we'll take whatever we can get and that thank thank god that the uh that the marriott conclave was <laughs> was thwarted in its silliness um that uh bergoglio repent revert to catholicism die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and for the repose of the soul of pope benedict the 16th ratzinger our lady of copacabana slayer of the taco mama demon pray for us amen and with regard to that crazy conclave, if they had done it at a Holiday Inn Express, no, I still, I still <laughs> couldn't right. take it seriously. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. Time flies, baby. Time flies. <laughs>